They turned that up a little louder from the first service. <laughs> Good morning, Connect. Great to have all of you here. We've gone to the country, haven't we? No, there's a reason for that. What's the reason for that? Jesus, my shepherd is our message for today. And I just want to welcome everybody who's watching online, our cable audience. Let's give a hand to them, okay, will you? We're so glad to have you watching online with us, but please come on a Sunday morning. It's even better on a Sunday morning in person, right? Yeah. All right. All right. So great to have all of you here in this smoky haze. I can actually see all of you. I don't know what they did. They adjusted the lights so I could actually see faces this morning, which is awesome. If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Mark, part of the pastoral staff here. Pastor Derek is down south preaching this morning. We're excited for him about that. And so I, you got me this morning, and I hope that I can entertain you along the way and show you something good about God's Word. Our text, our passage this morning is one that talks about shepherding, because that's what we're talking about. Jesus is shepherd today. You know, for 20 years, my family lived in Vermont, and we had lots of different farm animals, including sheep. And so we bred sheep, and we had lambs, and we raised them up. If you're a meat eater, we ate them. <laughs> if you're a vegetarian, we have prayer up front for you and counseling after the service today. You're missing out, but we want to minister to you as well. <laughs> you know, dictionaries define a shepherd as a person who herds and cares for and protects sheep. And I spent enough time messing around with sheep, I could almost call myself a shepherd. You know, my experience is a mile wide. It's maybe only an inch deep, but it's a mile wide as it has to do with, with sheep and shepherding. And I, I would like to think that it helps me to understand these passages in Scripture that talks about sheep and shepherding. And my, my goal this morning is to bring some of that to you. And so that when you see those passages, they pop a little bit more for you. They say, oh, I got this. But then also, beyond that, that that knowledge carries you forward to some other bigger and better things as well. So what I like to do, maybe it's a little bit crazy, but when I read the the Bible passage, this focus for the day, I always like to have everybody stand. So if you wouldn't mind standing, we're going to read to you, I'm going to read to you Psalm 23. Now here's your assignment when I read Psalm 23. You know this passage if you've read your Bible at all. And so the trick is to listen carefully and look for something new that you've never noticed before, okay? Psalm 23. I'm reading from the New International Version. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. You know, there's some certain themes that run through the life of a shepherd. Long hours, hot and dusty conditions, boredom. There was a really interesting article that appeared a few years ago in the New York Times describing modern-day shepherds in the state of Idaho and what their lives were like. And I just want to read a little excerpt from you, for you from that. It says, herding sheep in Idaho is done pretty much as it was a century ago. 
The shepherds live alone for weeks at a time in tin-roofed wagons that lack electricity and running water and perched on blustery hilltops overlooking bands of 2,000 sheep. The 21st century conveniences are a distant dream to them, although they have sunglasses and rifles for coyotes. Many of Idaho's shepherds come from the country of Peru, where their bosses bring them copies of People magazine in Spanish to combat the Borden. Let's rewind 2,000 years ago to Israel and the land of Palestine and hear what it's like for a shepherd at that point in time so we can land ourselves in biblical times. The duties of a shepherd in the land of Palestine were very onerous. In early morning, he led the flock from the pen, marching at its head to the spot where they were to be pastured for the day. Here he watched them all day, taking care that none of the sheep strayed And if any of them for a time got lost and wandered away, he would seek them diligently until he could find them and bring them back. In those lands, the location of water is scarce, and the shepherd has to guide his flocks to wells or streams or watering troughs. At night, he brought the flock back to the pen and counted them as they came through the gate to assure that none were missing. But his labors didn't end at sunset. Often he had to guard the sheep through the night from the attack of wild animals or thieves. So the job of a shepherd is not an easy one. They deal with tough weather and boredom and natural disasters and the attacks of wild animals. But their actions, the actions of a shepherd, bring blessings into the lives of the sheep that they're watching. In much the same way that that pastors seek to bring blessings into the lives of of their congregation, In that same way, God seeks to bring blessings into the lives of the people who are underneath his care. God does this work in the lives of all Christian believers. And I think if we can understand this imagery of sheep and shepherds that we see in the Bible, it can help to bring to life for us a little bit, and it will settle some facts into our soul that can provide us stability and purpose as we move forward. You know, in a lot of ways, I see the components of this passage speaking to how God involves himself in the day-to-day stuff that we walk through. And he's aware when, we're, when we've got hard times coming, we're in the midst of the hard times, or a hard time has passed, or when it seems like the world is sort of placid, he's still involved in wanting to be involved and wanting to touch our lives in a lot of different ways. But there's an important question we can stop and sort of ask ourselves, okay, uh, sir, we're going to talk about sheep and shepherds, but so, so what? Or what's the difference? How is this going to make a difference in my life? And I think that there is a good answer to that. But if we don't have the answer for that, if we walk away from here on Sunday morning thinking, oh, I don't care about shepherding or sheep, or how God does that for me, then we can find ourselves in this position where we're thinking, God doesn't care about the small stuff in my life. Or... God doesn't really love me or God doesn't really care about what's going on because these are all things that shepherds do. And I have to decide whether these are things that God as my shepherd are doing for me as well. So here's, as a result, here's how I'd like to summarize my answer to this question. So what difference does it really make? And that's our big idea for today. Knowing that Jesus is your shepherd should help you to live with meaning. Knowing that Jesus is your shepherd should help you to live with meaning. 
And what do I mean by living with meaning? I think it's really two pieces, living boldly and living with intentionality. Living boldly and living with intentionality. We're called to worship God. We're called to change lives. We're called to positively impact the lives of people around us and to point people to Jesus. Why? Because we have the best news in the whole world, don't we? That Jesus is the Savior. We've got the best news in the whole world. And if we can tell that to other people, we can help change their lives as well. You know, it's been wrongly stated that all religions of the world essentially mean the same thing. And that it doesn't really matter what you believe. As long as you believe sincerely, it's one of the trails that leads to the top of the same mountain. So it doesn't matter what you believe. But, but really, when you start digging in, looking at what different religions believe, you realize how quickly they're contradicting each other. And you can't have contradictions, yet with them all pointing to the same truth. Christianity, though, is not the same. All the other world religions say, do good works, do many good things, strive to do good things, and that will make you uh, worthy to go to heaven because of the good things you've done. Is that what the Bible says? No, it's not what the Bible says at all. That's what makes Christianity so different. That's what makes the message of Jesus so different. It's not good works that get us there. We can look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, which might come up here, which tells us, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It's not the works that we do to get us to heaven. Works are good. They please God. They positively impact the lives of other people. It doesn't save us at all, though. It's only Jesus' death on the cross. Which is why Acts 4.12 says there is no other name under heaven by which people can be saved. It's only the name of Jesus. So if God's our shepherd, he's doing these things for us, I think then when we start to look at Psalm 23, it can take on a little bit different meaning for us. And we say, whoa, I've never really thought about this and how it connects to my life in these different ways. The Bible doesn't tell us that life is going to be easy. And when we read Psalm 23, I think we start realizing that stitched throughout the verses are problems, are stresses, are issues that have come into the life of David when he read this, when he wrote this. There's just issues that are, that are seeded all throughout it. And as a result, it's like our lives. And so if we understand this piece about shepherding, and if we can understand it in sort of a funny way, which I'll try to do, then I think it can speak to our lives a little bit more. So there are six ways. There are six things about shepherding and what God does for us that we learn about this today, okay? The first is that he provides. Verse 1 reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Sure, it's this general statement about everyday survival, but I think there's something sort of interesting that's buried in there, and we can infer it from the passage. And that is, in order for him to plan for us, there's planning and preparation that God does in order to provide for us. Planning and, and his planning and preparation, they are way better than your mama's planning and preparation, of course. Hers is the best, right? So we think there's planning and preparation that God does for us. You know, when we lived in Vermont, part of the time we had sheep, we pastured them at a, at a neighbor's 
neighbor's property. And they had this nice grass area, but it was unfenced. It was unprepared for sheep. And, and my wife, Julie, and I spent a lot of time. We had to go around. We had to install fence posts all the way around the perimeter. And we had to go back and attach ceramic insulators to every one of those posts. And then we ran courses of wire across it. And then we attached the, the charging unit. would send out these pulses so that the sheep would stay in and the, the coyotes and stuff would stay out where they were supposed to. And we set it up in such a way that there was a stream, a beautiful stream that flowed by, and they'd have access to a small part of that so, so they could drink during the day. We had to plan and prepare if we were going to adequately take care of these sheep that we had. And God does this same thing for us in lots of different ways. But when we think about the ways that God provides for us, we should not be thinking, yeah, and that's supposed to be the Wi-Fi and the cable and the great vacation and the fancy cars, all things that we would like to have, but that shift over into this other, other category that has not to do with needs, but that has to do with wants. You know, it's interesting. A, a sheep's needs are actually pretty basic. You know, when we think about our needs, what do we talk about? Food, clothing, and shelter, right? Interestingly enough, a sheep comes with its own like built-in shelter system. You know, a sheep's wool can grow really thick, and that is incredible insulation. Our sheep could be out in their pasture in the middle of the winter with a barn available to go into if they wanted, but they would just sit outside, and it would snow, and the snow would just pile up on top of them <laughs> because that wool is such a great insulator for them. Likewise, in the summer, oddly enough, you know, we would have them shorn in the spring, and so the wool could be used for other things. But that also serves as a great insulation against the heat as well. So a sheep's needs are pretty basic. Uh, it's our needs that are bigger, I think, than, than a sheep's needs. But sometimes we can confuse ourselves into thinking all these things that we would want are actually our needs. You know, we've moved twice in the last four or five years. We're in this we were in Vermont for 20 years, and we got ready to move, and we're not pack rats, especially my wife, Julie, and we were stunned, nonetheless, by the amount of stuff that we had, and so we were giving stuff away, giving stuff away, and eventually we had to get a dumpster in to throw stuff away. What we had, we packed up in boxes, and we moved down. Like three years later, we moved again. We still have boxes packed up that haven't been unpacked in the last five years, you know? <laughs> It, it may be that some of you who have moved frequently have that same thing. Say, I don't even know what's in these boxes, and we still have them. And yet I say, oh, that's got to be important what's in that box because we've kept it all this time. <laughs> uh, but but, but we, can, we can confuse ourselves about what's really important, what's not important. And we can also miss blessings in, in the process. I can remember it used to be that when I'd go to the fridge, I'd open the fridge and there'd be, there'd be a lot of food, and I'd say, oh, oh, I can't find the little yogurts. I'm so sick and tired of the fact that there's so much food in here. And one day, I thought to myself, what am I thinking? What am I saying here? What, I'm complaining about the abundance that God has given me, right? And I thought, I, I am stopping that from now on. And now when I open the door, I think, where is that? Where is the mythical little pudding cup that my wife never buys? No, no pudding cups. Where's the, where's the apples? You know what? I'm happy to dig around because I'm faced with the abundance that God has given us. It's simply, it's just simply a shift in perspective, and, but it's something about God's provision as well, and God as shepherd provides for us. 
So that's the first thing he does. The second thing that God does is he restores. God restores. I love this, verse, verses two and three. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Sheep love lush grass and clover about this thick. It's the best for them. It's tender. There's a lot of, a lot of protein in it. They love that. And so it was our job to make sure we were providing them for that. And so what we did with our sheep is we rotationally grazed them. We had this big pasture, and, but we would segregate it into units. They'd start at this side. And the electric fencing around the thing so they can get out. And so they eat that down. And for, what do they do first? They eat the stuff they, they like the best of first. The clover's gone. Then they eat the grasses. And pretty soon there's stuff that they don't really want to eat that. But they're a little bit hungry. So they eat that. And it all gets grazed down. And they're looking across the fence at the lushness. And you move it in this. And they're so excited. And bit by bit, they, we'd work them up the, up the pasture, individual paddocks. The first one is growing back. Because why? Because they're not in it. If they had the whole thing as one big fence, they would scatter everywhere. They keep going to the clover. And every time the clover sprang up, they'd eat it. They'd nub it right down. And pretty soon they would kill it because of this repeated grazing. But instead, because they were held out of areas, then it would become restored, and it would be ready for them to come back to. That's what God does for us. He brings these times of restoration into our lives. Sometimes God waits on the timing because he's got something better planned for us because his thinking is bigger than ours. His thinking is big. Our thinking is little. He knows where the green pastures are located we don't. He knows the goodness that's coming. We don't. I love Isaiah 55, 8 from the New Living Translation and the way it describes this. I don't know if it's up on here. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. Sometimes we have green pastures, quiet waters, and a refreshed soul. Sometimes we've got brown and dusty pastures and, and turbulent waters and a distraught soul. But God is with us as a shepherd bringing us through this time. So when you feel that this is the way it is, when it's dusty and turbulent, remind yourself that God is still with you because the second piece is he restores. He, there's this third thing that God does for us as our shepherd, and that is that he leads us. Verse 3 reads, he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Want to hear something funny about sheep? They love and they do best when they're a follower. But sometimes they decide they don't want to be a follower. And so often you see the vision of a shepherd, a shepherd's walking and the sheep are like placidly trailing along behind. But here's what's really going on. Some of the sheep are saying, uh, I'm going to get out of here. I think I'm going to get out of here. I'm going, I'm going. And they dart off and they go darting off and they get on front. Half of the rest of the flock says, uh, I'm going with them too. And they go running off. And then they get over here and they don't know what to do. Now they're panicked. Oh, what do I do now? What do I do over here? And so they come thundering back across over here. Ah, where do I go? Where do I go? And they don't know what to do. And so they keep running back and forth in this panic because what? Because sheep are followers and need their, they need their shepherd to be leading them. So here's a trick about what shepherds do to keep the sheep behind them. They get a bucket. Shepherds train sheep 
to the sight of the bucket and the sound of what's in the bucket. You know what's in the bucket? It's not Skittles. No, it's grain, a sweet-tasting grain. You shake it, and the sheep's head, they come up. They love that stuff. So now, going to move the sheep. You get the bucket in your hand, and you walk, and they just follow along behind because they so desperately want what's in there. You know, they're aware of the goodness that's in that bucket because they've had that goodness before. And so the question you have to ask yourself is, what about the goodness of the bucket on prior trips that you have taken? How are you going to remind yourself of the goodness that's in that bucket? It's the goodness of God. Do you remember what's in there? You know, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I'm exempt to sometimes needing to remind myself of the good things that God has done for me. I use these memories, real memories of what God has done, to convince myself, what? That he has more good things in store for my future. Because that's who God is. Or here's something else that might connect with you. Sometimes God has led me down a path that I didn't know anything about. And he got me safely to the other end. So now when he starts me down some other new path, I think, I have no idea where this is going. But it's okay. Because the other paths... This path, I remember. I remember this path. I remember this path. They all, some, they brought me through some rocky times, but eventually they all came out well for good. And so I'm going to trust God. I'm going to be willing to go down this path with my shepherd leading me again. Deuteronomy has this passage that talks about the importance of parents teaching children about this, about God's goodness. Uh, and, and the goodness and the knowledge of God that we find in his word. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Well, you know what? I can do that stuff for myself as well. And you can do that for yourself as well. Remind yourself of the goodness of God. Remind yourself of his promises. Remind yourself of the promises that he's made, that he's fulfilled in your life. You know, if you've ever done any counseling with me, then I'm sure you've heard me say this famous verse from Romans chapter 8, verse 28, because I think it speaks into all of our lives. And we know that in all things, God works for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. What does that mean? What that means is God's always working in whatever the circumstances are. If I rob a bank, I'm going to face some consequences, right? This verse doesn't tell me that I escape those consequences. I might go to prison for 10 years, but God's going to be with me. He's going to be working good around me, in and through me, while he's there. I don't get abandoned. We never get abandoned by God. He leads and he stays with us at the same time. You know, there's this little, we see this, we look at the gospels, we see this sort of, I don't know, side story that rumbles throughout the gospels, which is how the religious leader of Jesus's time were responding to what he was doing and saying, right? The, the, the Pharisees, the chief priests, the elders, the teachers of the law, 
As Jesus stepped forward and started talking about who he was and doing miraculous things, doing miraculous things on the Sabbath, saying this and saying that. And here in, in, in Mark chapter 15, verse 1, we get a little twist of this. What happens? A, shep, a wise shepherd leads well. Bad shepherds lead poorly. So let's see what these bad shepherds were doing. Mark chapter 15, verse 1. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. They were the bad shepherds. But Jesus is the good shepherd. Be encouraged by the fact that he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. That's something that Jesus does as our shepherd. He leads Something else that he does as our shepherd is he accompanies. He accompanies us. Verse 4 reads, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, if you're thinking I have some sort of a funny story about sheep, comforting sheep, I, re I really don't. <laughs> so, I, I wish I did, but I got another funny story. If you <laughs> It has to do with nothing, but it's funny, so I'll tell it anyway. So we had this sheep. We had this you, E-W-E, -E, okay? Just so if I say you, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about her, okay? So, so we had this you, and her name was Esther. And you know why her name was Esther? Because we're holy people. <laughs> we, we name our animals. No, no, we, I don't know why we have the name Esther. So we had this sheep. Her name was Esther. And, and one day we went to the barn and she was sick. She was just standing there, foaming at the mouth and drooling. Her stomach was distended. It's like, she was uncomfortable. It's like, a friend of ours says, she ate something bad. And so then the question is, what do you do when a sheep eats something bad? Well, you play like um, country doctor. So I went inside, I got a bowl and put a bunch of olive oil in it. And then I went to the grill. And I got, I got myself some charcoal briquettes, and I ground them up into powder. Somebody's thinking, yeah, charcoal, that makes sense. Mm, made sense to me. Stirred it up together, and then I went and got our turkey baster. And I filled up that big turkey baster with this sludge. And I jammed it in her mouth, and I squeezed the thing and shot it all in. She swallowed it, and then, amazingly enough, like, proceeded to lick on the turkey baster because she liked the taste of the olive oil. You may never want me to be your pet sitter, but... <laughs> and if you're wondering, that turkey baster never came back into our house, okay? <laughs> this story has nothing to do with anything other than this, I don't know, it's taking care of sheep, it's sort of funny. But um, as Christians, so sheep go through hard times, and then you shepherd. As Christians, we go through hard times too, don't we? Over the years, I've concluded that people, that Christians need two things. We need comfort and we need the assurance that God is with us. And the amazing thing is, if we have that second piece, if we have the assurance that God is with us, uh, we can deal with a lot of else, other stuff, can't we? Because we know that God's not abandoning us. We know that he's walking with us. He know, we know he knows what's going on in our lives. He will not let us go. He will see it through it, even though the times might be hard. Because he promises that he never will abandon us, 
It equips us to go through the hard times. That's the he accompanies us part of what God does. The fifth thing that God does is that he defends us. He defends us. Verse 5 reads, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Sometimes the way that a shepherd defends is an expected way. Sometimes the way a shepherd defends is an unexpected way. And I think that sometimes we can, we can make a, pro- a mistake praying too specifically about how we want God to intervene in our lives in a problem. Uh, I can say, God, can you solve this by making him do this and her do this and give me some money and da 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 Rather than just asking, say, God, you see the situation. God, work in this situation to bring about good, to bring about restoration, to bring about change. We don't understand quite how this works, but there is this um, point of contact where God's sovereignty and the prayers of people intersect, right? And we don't know what that is. We know that God tells us that we're supposed to pray. James 5.60 reads, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, and God is powerful and effective, and somewhere they meet in the middle here, and I don't want to do anything about my prayer that's going to somehow get in the way of God's fully working. So, so sometimes I think we need to be less specific about how God is supposed to solve the problem because I've got it all figured out how he should solve it. We say, God, intervene here and solve this and bless this person. But so there's this defense issue here, right? Uh, sometimes we defend things in unexpected ways. Sometimes God does. I've got a little story. So we were, this hot summer night when we in Vermont and sheep were in the, paddock that was closest to our bedroom windows, maybe, I don't know, maybe 50 or 75 feet away. As a beautiful night, we had the windows open. In the middle of the night, I woke up to hear the loudest coyote howl I had ever heard. And like, the sheep were right there. The coyote is coming. And I bolt out of bed. I run through the house, out the, grab the flesh, I go out the door, and I have to come back across the back lawn, running to the pasture where the sheep are. Now, I don't know if it was the beam for the flashlight or my yelling or the nearly naked pastor running across the back lawn <laughs> that made that coyote scram, but it did. And, 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 I got, and I got up to the pasture and these sheep, they are wide-eyed. <laughs> help! That's all they needed to yell was help, right? I don't know they were yelling help, but I think they were yelling help. (laughs) We can dig into this more theologically. I'm I'm serious. (laughs) No, no, let's dig in this. Genesis chapters 2 and 3. Eve. Eve has a conversation. Who's her conversation with? She has a conversation with the serpent. And the serpent talks to her. And she does not seem at all perplexed by this. Read it, and you'll see. It's just a conversation. She could be talking to anybody. And she's having a conversation with a serpent. And now fast forward. I think it's Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10, it says that all creation is groaning 
under the weight of one man's sin. One man not being Adam. All creation is groaning under the weight of one man's sin. Everything, everything, all of creation, everything was impacted. He was talking to the serpent before the fall. Now, and sheep have a small brain, but my sheep were just standing there. Bah! I didn't know what they were saying. I believe, I'm convinced when we go to heaven, we will be able to talk to the animals because we will be restored back to pre-fall creation. We'll be made perfect again. Isn't that cool? Yeah. You know, if you've got, anybody who has one of these smart dogs, you know what I'm talking about, a smart dog, right? They go, they tip their head back and forth. <laughs> and you know, it's like they're trying to figure out what you're saying, or they know. And uh, I'm, so I'm convinced. I'm convinced. But I go on these tangents. I sort of lose track, but it's sort of, you know, we want, God, we want God to defend us, and he does defend us because he's our defender. And here's the thing. You might say, hold on. How do I know that God knows? How do I know that God knows what my situation is? who I am, where I am, what I'm going through. Why do you know? Because? Because? The Bible tells you so. That was a quiz. And nobody shouted out the answer. Because the Bible tells us so. Psalm 139. Put this psalm on your heart. Psalm 139, verses 3 and 4. You know where I, where I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. God knows. My sheep knew that if it called, its shepherd would come and help it. If you call, your shepherd will come and help you. Here's a sixth point about this, which is that God blesses us. God blesses us. We see this in verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a blessing. That's the biggest blessing of all, isn't it? If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have this promise from the Bible a promise from the living, active Word of God, which is our Bible, that you get to spend an eternity with God in heaven. There is richness there. There is blessing. There is abundance. There is wonder. There is no tears. All that. That's what, and, and 50,000 other things, that's what heaven is. He blesses us as our shepherd. And so here's the thing. We have to make sure we stitch back and, and grab this point living a life of meaning, right? These are all the things the shepherd does for us, blesses us, defends, protects, provides, restores, etc. But why does he do all that stuff? He does all that stuff because he loves us and, and because he wants us to live a life of meaning, which is meaning living boldly and living with intentionality for the kingdom and doing things for him. Our lives can so easily be run over by busyness, and this and that, that pretty soon we're just, we're on like autopilot doing nothing. You know what I mean? We can so easily, all of us can so easily get there, but that's not what God has for us. He wants better for us because when we're serving him, when we're doing things for him, 
We feel the richness and the blessing inside us, right? It's like, oh, I love this. Like, wow, I thought this was going to be difficult, but it's, it is, but it's great in some way. That I can't quite figure it out. That's, that's how this whole shepherding and sheep thing comes back around to the beginning point, is realizing. So when you go from here, don't think to yourself, oh, God blesses me and he protects me and he restores me. Isn't that sweet? And I wonder if the Red Sox are on at 2 o'clock. No, it's not that. It's like, wow, because he does these things, he wants me to have a life of meaning. He wants me to live boldly and intentionally. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help each one of us to do that, to live boldly and intentionally, to have a fulfilled meaning exuding from every single one of our pores because of the fact that we understand who you are and what you've done for us. We thank you so much for doing that. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it may be that as you're listening this morning, you're thinking, I, I sort of some funny stories of this or that, and I got to get some sheep, and I'll tell you, you got to get sheep. They're fun. You know what I was so disappointed about? We have, in the process of moving, this and that, you know, you file away things or stuff them away in boxes you haven't unpacked. We have some cool pictures. And I really want to show the sweet picture of my daughter, Holly, when she was about this big, holding a bottle, feeding the sheep was really nice. You would have all gone, oh. And then you would have gone, ah, when I showed you this other picture, which is the dog we had at the time, Darcy, this furry brown thing, in our kitchen and standing next to it, a lamb who had been orphaned. And so there's like side by side in this kitchen looking up at us like it was in our kitchen only briefly. It stayed hygienic in there, don't worry. So, um, uh, um, but you might be saying, listen, I, I want this in my life and I don't have it. I don't have a relationship with God at all. Or I still want to think about him as being my shepherd. Uh, uh, but I want it. I, from the moment you came into the parking lot, there's something you felt. I don't know. You didn't know what it was, so you felt it. And you got up here during the worship service, and there was this stunningly awesome musicians leading us in worship. You thought, wow, I've never experienced anything like this before. And we t you've heard some of God's word, and you realize, this is not. It, this is not what I've ever experienced in a church or it's been a long time since I've been in church and I want more. I, I just want Jesus. I want what all they've been talking about. I've been worshiping, but I want that. And I'm going to give you a second to tell God that you want that. And I'll tell you, it's not magic words that you have to say. It's the attitude of your heart. And I'll lead us all through a simple little prayer, but it's the attitude of your heart. And if you do that, it'll be the start of the most profound and awesome journey that you will ever have in your life. And it is a lifelong journey as we continue to understand God more and more. We see him working. We get to engage with what he's doing. It's an awesome thing. And so that's not what you're doing right now. I beg you and plead you. Your eternal condition is affected by it, but it's a great thing through this life as well too. But I also want to pray because I know that there's some of you that are like, well, you're, you're in the troubled waters right now. You're not feeling like, frankly, you're just not feeling it. You're not feeling like God is acting as your shepherd. And I want to pray that you would feel that as well, too. So I'm going to pray those two things. So, so first, let's pray for, let's pray. Well, all heads are bowed, all eyes are closed. I want to pray first for those people who want Jesus in their life. Before I pray, if that's you right now, while all heads are bowed, all eyes are closed, if you want Jesus, I ask you just to stick up your hand nice and boldly so I can see it here in this light. Stick up your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you so much. Yes, I see your hand too. Way in the back, I see more hands. They're coming up. They're coming up. Why? Because 
You want Jesus and you want an eternity with God, the provider, the shepherd. Thank you. You can put your hands down now. Let's, let me guide this all through prayer so everybody can pray out loud together with this. Dear Jesus, I know you're God. And I've done bad things. Please forgive me for them. Look at me as whole and perfect. And I place my trust and confidence in Jesus as my Savior. Amen. Amen. And Lord, we continue to pray. Lord, I pray for everybody here. Lord, I pray that everybody would have a touch from your Holy Spirit today. That each person would have this awareness in their mind in a fresh and powerful way that Jesus is my shepherd and he cares about this stuff. And he's going in advance doing planning and making preparations for me. Lord, let everybody know that and feel that and experience that. And God, for those who are struggling the most, I pray that you would really give them an extra dose of your presence in their life. Give those who are needing a sense of direction, give them more direction. Those who are needing more boldness and courage, give them more boldness and courage. Those who, need, who are feeling a need to learn words about how to point somebody to Jesus, creating them this desire to pursue finding out what those words are that are comfortable for them to speak. Well, let each person here be touched this morning, adults and kids. We pray it all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.